Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere and every day. Now, in order to do this, we believe that just as Jesus prayed in John 17, the church is gonna to have to be unified in a region, working together around five key initiatives that the Apostle Paul demonstrated in Acts 13 and 14. And that's citywide prayer, leader health, disciple-making strategies, serving the city together, and starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Presently, we're spending some time on the initiative of serving the city. And more specifically, we're gonna get to talk with Craig Tuck and Clay Jernigan, who are dear friends of mine, uh, men I've had the privilege of serving with uh, in Charleston. And uh, Charleston is one of the cities that Saturate, by God's grace, has been invited into to partner with. And you know, one, of, one of our hopes is that we not just inspire you through this podcast and provide great equipping for everyday believers and church leaders, but eventually we wanna invest more and more energy into a particular city with the leaders who really wanna own that place and take responsibility for the lostness and for uh, the kingdom to break in and for churches to work together. And both Craig and, and Craig and Clay are a significant part of that and been doing really, really good work. Craig is the director of the Charleston Baptist Association. He's also a catalytic visionary leader for Mission Charleston and also serves as an elder at his local church, Centerpoint Church. And Clay, currently works with the Charleston Baptist Association. He's in the second year of also planting a microchurch community, and he serves with Mission Charleston as the Mission Mobilization Director. So these guys wear several hats. <laughs> They're busy, uh, but in a wonderfully good way and doing incredible work in the greater Charleston area. So Craig and Clay, I'm so glad you guys joined us for this. And you are such dear friends of mine. I love you guys so much. Would you tell us a little bit more about yourselves? Hey, thank you, Jeff. It's just a real delight to be able to be part of this podcast today. And as you introduced me as a director of Charleston Baptist Association, um, that, that's one of the things that is a, is a primary role I have here in the region is I'm a denominational leader. So I work with uh, over 80 churches uh, that are affiliated and associated with our association. Uh, so I have kind of a, a lane that I, that I drive in. And then what I love about Mission Charleston is it gives us that opportunity to have an interdenominational connection. And so uh, working and serving where there's catalytic moments where we can convene uh, and uh, align the church of Charleston together to serve um, as Saturate's vision is, which is to really impact every man, woman, and child. And so it's a real joy to be a part of that work. So every day is different, you know, uh, and we're thankful for that. And sometimes there's some big moments in our city that uh, a platform's created and we have the opportunity to respond as the church. Uh, and then there's just that everyday work of, again, just trying to leverage strength to strength from leader to leader, church to church, and just to try to foster more collaboration. So real grateful to be part of the work here in Greater Charleston and delighted to serve with Clay Jernigan, mm -hmm. uh, both in the denominational role as well as in the, the bigger macro role in the region here in Charleston. Mm, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you again. Yeah. Thank you for having Craig and I uh, here. Um, yeah. I, it has been a joy to be in the Charleston area since really 2007. Our family moved here uh, as church planters and 
getting to to be a part of serving the city and being a part of that work uh, since then at a local church uh, here. And in the last couple of years for me now have looked like getting to serve more specifically with Craig. That was a relationship God uh, formed several years together as we just church is beginning to work together and uh, and now getting to do that at capacity through a denominational area, but more specifically through something like Mission Charleston has uh, has been uh, been a joy. And then getting to to then be a practitioner uh, at the local level again, kind of through this micro expression. Uh, our family have three kids, 16, 14 and 12. Um, so those are uh, those are also beautiful days right now for us as as kids in those teenage years. And we're kind of looking to some of that next phase. And I, I love getting to enjoy that uh, with Craig as well, who's now is a grandfather of, of five. And so those are uh, so from ministry to life. It's uh, it's been it's just it's getting fun to get to work together. Yeah. You guys are a great team and such a great demonstration of collaboration. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of times one of the things that's difficult when we look at what we're trying to do in cities is when leaders don't know how to honor one another, don't know how to defer to one another, don't know how to share, you know, authority and responsibility with each other. And you guys are just such a beautiful picture at your, you know, in your own organization of honoring one another, but also then that bleeds out everywhere you go. Like I you set an example, and then I see churches and other church leaders really desiring to do the same. So thank you hmm. so much for the example you guys set. So uh, tell us a little bit about mission. What is Mission Charleston? Yeah, Mission Charleston is a five hundred one c three. If you get down to to the technical side, <laughs> uh, but really what it, what it is beyond that, and more importantly, is it it's a way by which we try to connect uh, churches together around catalytic moments. And that lead really to what we would say gospel movements, where we see a pathway created. And so it's really an alliance of churches that come together. And our our ultimate goal is just to make Jesus unignorable to every man, woman, and child, uh, to saturate every life with the gospel. And so it's trying to connect the church of Jesus together uh, at every turn and every opportunity that we can. So I would say it's an alliance of churches that are partnering together. Um, it's not a denomination. It's not a network. It's just that collective way of saying, how can we, on a platform together, serve this city as the Church of Charleston? Yeah, I, I would say that it has served, uh, Craig used that, that phrase, uh, a platform. Uh, it really uh, has been a platform for many ministries that maybe were birthed or uh, a need that was birthed somewhere else that we were able to to able to help fan or support or be a voice or to herald uh, so that more may know or it may find more strength. Those were some of my entry points even into Mission Charleston was through a ministry called Love Gave, which was focused around uh, it, it had different initiatives kind of throughout its life. But uh, in its latter part was really focused around education and teachers, bringing awareness to teachers and Mission Charleston became a place to kind of be a platform to share more about how churches could engage something like love gave and bringing attention to, to teachers. So it has really existed as that platform for gospel ministry uh, in, and seeing the church come together. When did it start? When did you guys form it? Mission Charleston started, I think around 2010, 2011 is when we formed it as far as organizationally, because we saw the need for that platforming opportunities of movements within the city, uh, opportunities for things that weren't started maybe to have a moment to 
get it, get started and have a place to build off of. So we knew that we had enough foresight to say, we're going to need to have this nonprofit that would help to facilitate, especially when you look at starting something and there's a need to receive funds for something uh, and then begin to spin that off into its own 501c3. We just knew we needed that that framework and that platform. And so it was probably around 2011 when we, we started it. Well, 2015 was a pretty key year in Charleston. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's talk a little bit about what happened there and even how the response to that particular event shaped the city um, and in light of how we're talking about how do we really serve the city. So that was, why don't you tell us a little bit about that event and, and the church's responses? Yeah, 2015 was a was a dark time here in Charleston, a, a frowning providence really that took place when Dylan Roof uh, walked into the Emanuel AME Church downtown Charleston uh, and took the lives of precious brothers and sisters right after a Bible study, after they prayed. He um, took the lives of nine people, and there were others that were in the room that survived. So as the world watched that event take place and as we observed it up front and personal, that, that really catapulted us into a place and a space where the church truly came together in one way. It just was automatically happened because this whole, the whole city just came together. It was a moment to divide for sure. And that's what Dylan Roof wanted. But instead what happened was there was already some work that was going on before the tragedy of bringing in the, the issue here in Charleston, obviously with the racial polarity and divide over slavery and all the residuals that have come from that. And then with our own culture in the past several years, there was some work being done to bring black and white leaders to a table, church leaders, to have conversations, to not be afraid to ask the wrong questions, but truly to lean forward into how do we demonstrate that the gospel is multi-ethnic. So we we actually, again, based on Mission Charleston, we started something called One Charleston, which was a collective of black and white pastors and then began out of a relationship with a few that built toward a relationship with many. And so when the 2015 tragedy took place, we weren't scrambling to try to find a way to bring people together. We had already had something that was cohesive and leaning toward how do we deal with this long systemic issue of racism here in, in our in our city. Um, and so when the tragedy took place, um, it was amazing to watch the Church of Charleston respond. Mm-hmm. I personally believe in talking with many leaders while that happened, um, there was so much conversation going on among church leaders. And from that, many of the African-American leaders were responsible for thwarting, rioting, uh, devastation in our city. Uh, as mm-hmm. church fathers, they said, this is not going to happen here. And mm. so I believe as a result of the amazing grace of God, the response of the families for sure, and then the work that was being done to help cultivate relationship and cultivate demonstrating gospel power and strength in a very difficult moment. Um, that was such a catalytic moment for us here in Charleston to even see more gospel work take place uh, as a result of the opposite, which we're mm-hmm. grateful for. Yeah, I mean, even I, you know, you gave me the privilege of getting to hang out with one of the one of the key leaders, actually, who lost his spouse um, uh, in that. And man, what a what a gem of a man! Just 
you know, getting to hear his story and the understanding of how the gospel leads us in forgiveness and grace. And I mean, I was, I was blown away personally by the kindness of his spirit. Um, and I, 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 that's been my sense, even like the mayor getting to spend time with the mayor and I mean, all the different people that I, you've given me the opportunity to be with. There is a deep love uh, that you have for one another and a deep love that you guys have for the city together. Uh, it's, it was, it's been a blessing to me. Every time I've been there, I've been uh, jealous that this would be the case uh, in every city. And I know it is in some cities, but... Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious as as we think about this this theme of serving the city. What does that look like over the last few years in Charleston for you guys? I, you know, what Craig mentioned uh, one of the one of the the ministries or just awarenesses that was beginning before 2015 that would be pastors coming together and they took on the identity of one Charleston and really. Uh, so seeing a way of serving the city, it really started by serving a lot of leaders, pastors, to create a space of conversation of what what does re racial reconciliation look like? Uh, how do we actually approach those conversations? How can I become more informed, aware? How can I lead my church? Uh, and those looked a lot like uh, roundtable conversations, uh, even almost kind of conference kind of style moments to create panels of just dialogue and conversation that really was, uh, again, as Craig said, beautiful. It was God was beginning that beforehand, uh, started thing, starting that beforehand, and, but it really just gave uh, fuel to the necessity and need of that. Uh, and then seeing specific areas right now, the one of the areas, when you think of South Carolina, unfortunately, one of the things that we're facing as a state, but then certainly even our cities, is just the need within our education system and, and, and teachers that are engaging, that will stay, that will walk into their their field and see the, the role that God's placed in there as part of that mission field and beginning to encourage and uh, finding ways to actually help sustain teachers. One of the things that we've, we've discovered or seen through the effect of the overall success of a child in the room, in the classroom, is has direct relationship to the morale of the teacher. And so seeing movement of several churches, individuals leading, whether that's in churches or unique ministries around bringing awareness and care to teachers, to students uh, inside of um, the school. And so that, I would say we, we think about some of our specific areas of serving. Education has been a key one. Racial reconciliation has been uh, key areas as of especially the last few years. What specifically are the are people doing to to come around teachers or to help in the area of education? Yeah, it it, it has COVID obviously for everyone uh, to kind of change the game for a lot of folks, and so there's kind of a pre-COVID approach, and then now I feel like things are now moving uh, moving back to some familiarity, um, but. I would say things that we were seeing were churches that were literally kind of uh, sponsoring a school or, or assigning uh, maybe small group leaders or groups or Sunday school groups to particular uh, grade levels or um, and finding unique ways to be a presence in the school uh, to um, to come alongside. And that, that's maybe a little bit unique uh, for the South and some of the relationships that a church could have with the school. But it, uh, but you, we still had to navigate those in ways that we're we're not coming in to proselytize. We're finding ways to come alongside and serve. And so, 
we we were very we have to be very thoughtful in the way that we do that. Uh, but there's unique churches that would take on uh, ministries like something called uh, lunch buddies, where individuals could come and just spend part of their lunch just sitting with a student. A teacher would identify a kid that just needs some extra attention, and so the church I was a part of, we we would take a group uh, once a month to sit and just get to spend time with some of the kids there. And the school loved it so much. They gave us a room that was kind of our room to use. Uh, we were prepared to like bring the pizza or the food and they said, Nope, we'll supply it. And within a few years, we actually saw like our local police department actually engaging in that same effort with us. And so even finding ways to engage the school at, as a local body of believers, but we could do it in a way that actually the community cared about it as well. And so it was an easy ask. And so for a few years, our that local uh, police department would, I mean, they would bring like 20 police officers and just sitting and having lunch with kids. Um, oh, and so, that's awesome. Yeah. And getting to see expressions, that's not unique there. It was hap- you know, happening in different different areas and, and others finding unique ways to be a presence in schools. And so that was, that's really been, uh, that had been a focus of uh, what if every school had a gospel connection uh, in some manner? What if we knew every school in our area? And it, uh, even if it, I'm going to take a few people and we're going to pray, you know, every day, just some, some gospel accountability for that school. Mm, that's wonderful. Jeff, I'll add too that um, one thing I'm, I'm thankful for as we think about uh, the many churches in Charleston um, being a very historical city. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention it, it was launched from here, really from First Baptist Church back in 1682. And with that, a heavy emphasis of the church has been on education. So therefore, a lot of our campuses have a sanctuary, uh, usually a social hall of some sort. Then you've got an education building. And as we've seen church decline uh, over the past several decades, some of those spaces, those education spaces have become empty and they've become storage rooms really for a lot of just collecting stuff over the years. And what we're, we're seeing and we're hoping for to become a trend is for churches to repurpose those campuses and spaces for the sake of the good of the city in the community. Uh, the church that I serve at as an elder, that decision was made. We had this education building standalone we said, we want to engage this community. And so we've opened it up as a nonprofit hub to allow nonprofits to come in. And uh, it's under a covenant relationship so that we're, we want nonprofits here that would help actually cooperate and connect with things that the church would value in the city and that we could value together. So then our role is to help to connect the church into those nonprofits and the work that they do. So the church doesn't have to try to be everything to everyone but to engage within those that are specialists uh, while we can provide the strength of leveraging the church into the community. And so we're, we're really seeing, I think, uh, a pathway that I think is very viable and strategic here in Charleston to begin leveraging space and stewarding it well for the good of the city. So right now in this building, we've got a veterans group that's helping homeless vets as well as veterans that are just looking to get service and help to helping provide um, work with um, some of the county and city officials here on providing an app to help anyone that needs help to know where to go, how to get connected to services. There's a Latino education tutoring group that's helping with uh, kids that are needing help, helping serve the underserved. Um, There's a group of medical doctors that are looking also leveraging space here for clinic. So, I really think that the more we ask the question, you know, kind of like Moses was asked, what's that in your hand? You know, what does God put in your hand? 
use that for the greater good. And so we're we're looking at that as a way of helping to help shape churches in the in the ways that you've got something that you can provide, really turning a campus in a sense into a community center to help serve the good of the city. Oh man, I love that. <clears throat> I mean, I think like how many how many churches have buildings that sit vacant almost all week long, and it's such an amazing opportunity to make available. And then at the same time, how many nonprofits are spending more money than they need to on facilities Mm -hmm. and could probably give more away. And then third, how many of them wish they had more volunteers coming in that, you know, love Jesus and could love the city Mm -hmm. with them. So it just, it maximizes all of that. And then, then I guess there's even a fourth one. Churches are often trying to figure out how in the world do we help mobilize our people out into the Mm -hmm. city to serve and care for the city better. And maybe we don't feel experts at caring for veterans or, uh, you know, working with, you know, I, we have one of our churches here, very strong in, in the foster care system and caring for foster uh, foster families. And so who better to do it than the ones who are already doing it? And how better to do it than to get our own people to be involved? So it's such a, it's, it's wise, you know, it's good stewardship and you know, our big theme is how do we get the church united to collaborate together? So it leads to collaboration uh, because mm-hmm. you begin to collaborate with the people actually doing the work. So I love it, man. It's such Absolutely. a good example. Yeah. Yeah. We're grateful. And, and I think that, again, the role of Mission Charleston, like Clay was talking about, about churches that were adopting schools, our, our role is to really help to put a microphone, you know, in front of that or to platform that and to encourage other churches to do the same. Um, as well as with using facilities or buildings or like taking, taking a painful event like the manual tragedy was and continuing to build and leverage for a greater good. What man intended for evil, God intended for good. And so I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that God does not waste pain. Mm. And so we're trying to leverage out of something that was dark and it was evil to something that God intended for good and for a greater grace to show itself. And so continuing to build on that. In fact, uh, Pastor Thompson that you referenced earlier, his wife led that Bible study, the guy that you met and fell in love with like me. Um, <laughs> he's now leading an initiative called One New Humanity right out of Ephesians 2. And it really is to continue to press into how do we become together as a city? There's so much that divides us. How do we push into becoming one new humanity, as scripture calls us, one household of God, where the barrier has been broken down because the cross destroyed that. It made a way for us, um, you know, to be together and to be one. And so he's really pushing hard into that, uh, that initiative. In fact, he and I are going up to North Carolina together to, to bring kind of stories out of our city to share with another church of what God is doing and help to foster and envision and inspire that group of leaders there. And so it's, again, I think it's important uh, as we think about ministry and movement uh, is to steward, steward the moment. Some things will have a pathway and need a pathway to start becoming something. Other things just need to be continued to foster through relationships and keep building on that. Don't let it just be one and done, but build on it and, and watch, again, fostering of good will toward the city happen. One thing I don't want to miss in all this, Craig, that you just you just you shared a lot there, and I want to highlight something. One, um, you guys were building these relationships before the tragedy, and so you had trust, you had you had a commitment to one another, and 
And th- second, you know, when it happened, it was the it was the African American pastors, it was the black pastors who led the way, right? It was Absolutely. it was right. them stepping forward and saying, "This is how we're going to handle this." And so there was a a great deal of humility, I think, in the other pastors saying, "Show us, teach us, lead us. We we really want to learn." And and I. My observation in a lot of these citywide movements is that if there isn't humility, we don't know that we need each other and we don't admit how we need each other. And so I saw that in your guys' example. And then I think the third thing is, and you said this, steward the moment. Like every church is in a place, you know, we're all in different places, different cities, different times that have different needs. And it, it really is saying, Lord, what's in my hand and what's out there that needs it? And I I think that that's the stewardship principle of how do we, how do we bring the kingdom to bear on real life situations that we're facing in our city. So, like even as you're listening, like oftentimes I'll tell people look around and see where is the presence of the kingdom missing. Where is the experience of what the gospel brings about lacking? Because that'll give you a good clue of what to step into. And then third, what do I have that I can leverage or give for that particular need? Clay, do you want to add any more in terms of examples that are going on? Um, yeah, I think one of the one of the things that has been significant for us as of 2022 um, was uh, in in the wake of you know I think it was well 2021 August as we're as a as a nation are watching families or individuals clinging to C-17s leaving Afghanistan. Um, there, our city became, which is unusual for our city, a refugee city. Now that's maybe an identity for other cities that would be listening. That was very new for us. And so that was one of those moments, Craig speaking about that we saw, Hey, this is happening. How, how might we respond? How, what, and, and I would say mission Charleston, it was an expression where mission Charleston was able to convene a table to come together to say, okay, churches, how might we respond to this? We have an opportunity to demonstrate biblical hospitality, the love of a stranger. And I would say that was a, that was a defining time for 2022 for us that, you know, wasn't, wasn't an idea of, Hey, how do we do that? It was just happening. And so again, how do we respond? And we've seen uh, the byproduct of that has been, I think, a discipling uh, opportunity for just the church in Charleston to learn what does it look like to walk with others, and and I would say as a whole, it has been a stretching, stretching for all of our churches. Some have really discovered more of their calling and who they are in unique ways, and others maybe it exposed. You know, hey, we're we're it, it's exposing more of where we really are and how we think or think about uh, people from other cultures, and uh, and so um, yeah, I would just say. That that became uh, an opportunity to kind of uh, initially initiate something, but then also learn how to take a posture with, for us locally here, it's Lutheran services. They're the group that kind of helps walk with the family. And so then we're able to kind of learn how to pivot and adjust now with new relationship and walking with churches. So that's still ongoing in a different manner. But yeah, I would just point to you know, there, there are those things that we're seeing. How do we lean in? How do we fan? But then this was one of those, there's just some moments that God's just doing something in the city and how can we respond and come together? And um, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of, I'll, I'll, some other cities right now are experiencing that same kind of thing with Ukrainians. Yeah. Uh, that's happening where we're at in terms of their own 
uh, situation. And so I just, uh, those opportunities will never end. <laughs> right. Those kinds That's of things right. are going to continue because <laughs> we live in a broken world and people are regularly being displaced uh, because of that brokenness. So One thing I would add, uh, Jeff, is because to that point, things will continue, will continue to catch the things that are going on. Uh, I would say one of the things that in your opening, as you spoke about those five key initiatives, what has been helpful to us is you you bringing in that conversation. It's It's been a lens for us to now see the city, even see the things that, hey, what are the things we want to platform uh, and how do we speak to them? How can we actually communicate why this is so important? And uh, and it's allowed us to take a step, I think, rather than thinking, how do we create so much rather than how do we point and envision towards these areas? Uh, because Mission Charleston's on a church. We're not starting anything as much as we are trying to just mobilize or point towards these areas where we see it happening. And and there's areas that we're seeing flourish and movement. And then there's others we're going, hey, we're going to need more. So it it just starts informing, you know, even the areas, what are we praying for? And how might we mm. uh, see that? So just a Kind of but to those two points, one, we're going to continue to catch things. And if we're not careful, we'll just be just catching rather than actually in some intentional towards, I think, a framework. And that and what you've brought to the table through that has been uh, very, very helpful for us and how we have an opportunity to communicate and platform the certain things that are taking place in the city. Uh, that's encouraging to hear. You know, I think Luke, when he was writing the Acts of the Apostles, it it's very clear he's trying to give us some some things that we ought to hold on to and go, hey, there's a bit of a pattern here. Or there's something clear that we can discern that God wants us to pay attention to. And and uh, so so thankful for the way God directs us and guides us through his word uh, mm-hmm. to be able to be clear about what he, he values and what he wants us to spend time on. So glad that's been helpful. So unless there's more to share in terms of example, I am curious. Um, again, if there's more do you want to share in terms of examples, please let's do that. But I, I am curious about what fruit you've been seeing. Like what, what are the outcomes of this kind of serving that's been taking place? You know, the first thing, Jeff, that comes to mind for me about fruit is um, I think there's been a mindset shift for many leaders in our city uh, where uh, a pastor is beginning to see himself uh, more as a missionary leader than uh, than just filling the role of you know shepherding, mm-hmm. being a pastor. Those things are very important to the church, but they're really looking more outwardly. There's been more of a harvest focus, uh, I think, as a result of that. And so, when that identity and mindset begins to shift, that to me is is dynamic and significant. Because what happens is if the, if the pastor becomes that, that lead missionary in the church, he's going to begin influencing the same kind of identity shift within membership so that he's looking out and saying, I don't, I don't necessarily just have members of my church. I have a lot of missionary disciples like me who can serve together and reach this city or begin asking the question that we've talked about, which is what has God put in my hands or what, what's our place here within the region, in this zip code, where we can take geographic responsibility? And so the churches that have begun to move from uh, that identity shift to becoming highly intentional of taking geographic responsibility, some of them have actually done a radius around their church and have said, we are going to take, respon- take responsibility for the lostness in our geography. 
And when that begins to happen and that kind of intentionality begins to set in place, um, it really creates this, this, this movement within a church. I think they begin thinking differently, acting differently. They begin to reprioritize money, time, all those critical things. What we're simply trying to do is, is, is Clay and I, and our role is trying to serve as our own missionary disciples where we live, learn, work, and play. But then we want to help foster and fuel that kind of movement within every church so that we, we begin praying together for the harvest. As Jesus said, pray for more laborers. And we're praying for members to become awakened, to become these missionary disciple laborers here in our city. For Charleston and for our historic, very traditionally minded city, that's so important. Mm. And so I'm thankful for the way Saturate and Jeff, your leadership and you coming down is helping to continue to fan that flame and begin to put, as Clay said, kind mm-hmm. of put eyes and lenses on where do we focus our goal of reaching out and collaborating together. And so I think there's been some fruit from mindset shift and then also as a result, behaviors. And then as a result of that, priorities have changed in a, in a good number of our churches, which we're thankful for. Oh, that's so encouraging to hear. Yeah, when when we begin to realize that God's already put all the resources that are needed in a city to do the work he wants to do, they just need to be encouraged, inspired, equipped, and mobilized out to do the work that he's, he's sent them mm-hmm. to do. And we got plenty of people in probably every city that's listening that if they understood that they are a missionary placed by God, sent by the Spirit, where they live or work or learn or play— and that they are the means by which he's going to bring the expression of the kingdom and the demonstration of the gospel into that place. And if everybody could embrace that and begin to live that, Mm -hmm. every city would change. I mean, it just would. It'd just be the outcome. So, uh, yeah, Lord, please uh, wake up your people and inspire your leaders and mobilize everyone for this work. I think we're we're seeing some fruit as well. Like the, the framework... Uh, while it is great for a city, it works for the city. I think it works at multiple levels, like for the individual who's thinking about their prayer life, their, how are they discipling their health, uh, how they're engaging lostness around them, uh, how are they multiplying themselves? Like it, it works there, but at the church level, the same thing. And so I think what we're seeing, part of the fruit we're seeing is a church that's beginning to assess, Hey, how are we doing in this area? But now they're seeing there, there's a responsibility to all five of those, but they probably have a very unique strength in one of those, one or two of those that they, that, that's really a gift of who they are to the city as well. And so I think one of the fruits that we're seeing are churches that are going, hey, we have a responsibility here, but we actually have a real strength in one or two of these as well. And, uh, and they're able to lead out of that strength. And I think when we start yielding and that humility aspect we talk about, that uh, we can look to our brother and sister somewhere else and say, man, you guys, the way you lead in prayer, the way you step out in this is just like it's modeling something we want to glean and learn from. I think that's that is part of, I think, where these things start dovetailing together. And we're, we're starting to see fruit from that. Even it's shaping for us how we're seeing the next year and the future even more clearly um, and the mm-hmm. things we're wanting to fan. Oh, that's encouraging. So as you think about the future, what are, what are some of your hopes moving forward? You know, one of the things I, I think that I've been challenging leaders to think about is, as just Clay has talked about, is what is your missional signature that God has given you? Uh, what is that Holy Spirit thing 
that you would say, man, this is what's in our wheelhouse. It's our passion. We have a calling for this. If we don't do this, we'll die. That kind of a clear thing that they're going for. And I, I want to help churches to really accentuate that and say, you don't have to and need to be everything for everybody uh, or every part of the kingdom. Find out what is that one thing that God is saying, go and do that. Now, obviously, we're engaged in more things than one thing, but we want to help really help bolster. And as I've talked about that to leaders, they've been saying back to me, man, I'm really praying about what is that missional signature that God has given us? And so I really think that's something that as we look ahead, that as God would help them discover, because again, it's not on us to help create it or engineer it. It's already there. How do we draw it out and how do we Mm -hmm. help them see that? So I'm excited about this being a point of discovery for a lot of our churches. And Clay and I have been praying about how do we maybe help focus on, on one of those gates or a few of those gates to help say, hey, it's there, it's there and begin to foster and, and fuel that some. But I'm excited about that discovery point that leaders and churches, I think, are going to pursue this year. Craig, you know, what's so cool about what you just said is it, it, it first of all, assumes that none of us can do all of it, right? Yeah. Like, f- figure out the part that you're supposed to play. Uh, and then I think, second, it pushes us to need each other. Like, hey, you're really great at that do that but we'll do this and churches will if churches can embrace the idea that there there is one church in their city and they might ha- meet in lots of different buildings but each and each one of those local expressions might have a unique part to play but when we can all play our part but do it together in collaboration then we're going to be that fullness of Christ mm-hmm. that he says we're going to be in Ephesians 4 and so I, I love that. It's such a beautiful picture of interdependency, humility, again, honoring each other, and then embracing the call that God's given us. And we don't have to be everything. Mm-hmm. We can be who he called us to be. That's right. So good. Yeah, I just think 2023, one thing that we feel like is pretty clear is, is, is an emphasis and focus around prayer. I think that's one of those examples or spaces where we're seeing uh, a, mm-hmm. uh, a few key leaders and churches really taking steps um, that that's for us, we're going, Hey, we want to fan that. And we want to just continue to speak more into aspects of, of, um, yeah, prayer, citywide prayer opportunities. Uh, and then even how, uh, churches are, are modeling that at the local level, le- local level and, and in their community. And so, yeah. So I think that's one of the key things we see for 2023 and excited towards. As we look at, prayer as a primary focus for this year. Clay and I are continuing to have that peripheral vision, again, to see all the other four gates that are so significant. So I think they all work together simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And we want to help to kind of, again, see those embers grow and put wood on the fire as we need to, to help foster it. But I'm excited about us looking at prayer as a a primary focus Mm -hmm. for us. And we're already seeing some of that, again, taking place. And we're now saying, connecting even prayer groups together who were not connected before and to say, what could we do to know that, that we are walking side by side in this journey and how can we again uh, leverage strength from each other? So that again is where Mission Charleston provides that platform that, as Clay said earlier, that convening of the table that we hope will just again help to fuel a movement, um, not to control something or to coordinate it, but just really to fuel it and uh, to watch it grow. 
So if you could encourage our listeners towards serving others in their own context, what would you want to tell them? What would be like, as we kind of close this time together, what would you want to say to those who are listening and specifically how they might think about serving in their own context? I think serving together, especially in collaboration, which is is not, it's easier to say that word, but it's hard to do. I think it really comes down to the the hard work of building relationships, intentional relationships, and then beginning to have um, a shared focus. Um, that's why I love, again, the, the, the picture of the city and the gates is looking at a kingdom perspective that we're all pursuing and pushing into. Um, so whatever can help foster and fuel the area of looking at um, a common goal together and build relationships around that, I think is so important and so significant. Uh, I, I just don't think it can be um, that undervalued or under, um, under, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everything I think that's worthwhile and that builds movement is going to be built on the speed of relationship. And so investing, making deposits, praying, seeking the Lord together, I think is, is significant. And just to clarify, uh, Craig has mentioned these gates. There's an image that we've used over the last couple of years um, of a city having city gates and those five initiatives that we talked about at the very beginning, each one of them being like a gate or an entry point towards collaboration in a city. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just for the listener, I want to encourage you. Sometimes the Lord just says, hey, there's there's one gate open right now. It might be prayer. Let's just begin to build trust and begin to pray together mm-hmm. for this particular part of the city, or there's a, an opportunity the city needs and we're going to serve together. And that's a gate. And so those gates are like an entry point into collaboration, which hopefully leads to greater collaboration around all five key initiatives for the sake of gospel saturation. So I love Craig, just that it starts with relationship. It starts with building trust. It starts with like, we're not going to do this alone anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good word. Clay, you have anything you'd want to share? Yeah, I, and it's along some of those lines, but and this is probably <laughs> coming from the microchurch guy, but there's uh, significance in the small. And don't, I think in the nature, when we think about how citywide everything, it, f- it can feel so daunting and overwhelming. One of the most significant things that took place that was a catalytic moment for me was a pastor, a church planter who had very few people who reached out to us on another part of the city and asked the question, um, Hey, is, are you guys engaging somewhere in a school? And and we were at the time. And they he he said, well, we want to we want to give a thousand. I it may have been fifteen hundred dollars or something to help you, like love on the teachers. And I it blew my mind. I thought, why in the world would you ever do that? Like that does not help you whatsoever. And I and I asked, like, why do you want to do that? And he said, I need I need our people to understand we're one church. Like this is. We are this, we're the Church of Charleston, and we need you guys to be healthy and succeed. And that you know that's a a young small group of people, but it was a small step of obedience for them that changed me forever. Mm-hmm. And and so I I just uh, those those small steps of obedience, whatever that is today, that looks like for you some step in that direction is not small. It is faithfulness, mm-hmm. and God wants to multiply that towards this effort. And so, yeah, so it's back to you and your time with the Lord. Listen, be obedient to what the Spirit is leading you today. And it is, it is significant. It is, it is, there's no small thing in the kingdom. Amen. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Oh man, guys, I'm so thankful for you and 
the work you're doing. And you know, not every city has um, what you guys have, this unique organization, particularly set apart just to serve the church and help the churches, you, you know, collaborate and you be united together. And maybe you're kind of hoping as you're listening to this, that you could see that happen in your own city. And, and if that's you, begin to pray that the Lord would make a way for there to be this kind of uh, reality like Mission Charleston. And if we can help you, uh, reach out to us and or reach out to these guys. They could probably give you some counsel on how they got started and what it looked like. So how if people want to learn more about Mission Charleston uh, and the work you're doing, where would, they, where would you recommend they go? Yeah, so we have a website, uh, missionchs.org, that, that points to uh, Mission Charleston, some of the work we've done in the past, some that we're doing currently. Uh, so missionchs.org is a place to look at. And I, I will say with that, Jeff, in mind, there, there is something I think significant in light of every city having uh, and developing an operating system that you work in and out of. Because what that does is it provides some common language. And so we've been using common language, shared language, that's been now shared among other leaders that are now even saying some of those phrases from their pulpits. And so uh, we say every man, woman, and child, or taking, you know, geographic responsibility. Uh, that, that came all out of um, a movement of leading a missiologist here, uh, Neil McGlowan with Cypress Project, that helped us begin to put handles on words and phrases. And mm-hmm. that I think is significant to a movement in a region is to have some kind of operating system that we all can connect into. It doesn't infringe upon my vision statement in my church. I'm still going to say my words, but I'm now beginning to use words that we're all using together. That's for the collective good of the Church of Charleston. Yep. And I think there's there's just power in that. And so I'm grateful for that, and I think that's important to think about as you think about you, you know your city. And so it's not just in a website; it's got to be through that shared dynamic to create culture, to create movement. You got to have some language and some kind of system that connects you together. Mm. That's why I love Saturate because it provides that gospel in every day, all the rhythms of life, and we've used that as well. That's been so helpful to connect that together. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, anyone interested, that would be cypressproject.org. They could see some of just some of that that work that has been an envisioning place for us as a city of just some shared language that keeps our eyes focused in the, in the harvest and it's about his kingdom. Well, guys, thank you so much for giving this time and and just your lives. Uh, the, your lives are a great example. Uh, if anyone's in the greater Charleston area and you don't know these guys, you need to get to know them because they're a gift to your city and the work they're doing is a blessing and an encouragement, I know, to me. So thank you so much, guys, for being with us. And um, it's been a joy to be with you. Thank you, Jeff. And a joy to be with you, Jeff. We're so grateful for our friendship and partnership together. Yeah, thank you. Hey, if you guys would like, as you listen to this, would like more information about how you could also get involved in something like this, please check out saturatetheworld.com. We're working really hard to provide as many resources around these five key initiatives. Uh, We'll continue to create content through podcasts as well. And we would love you to be a partner with us if you'd like. We'd love people praying. So if you want to just begin to pray for the work that Saturate's doing, info at saturatetheworld.com would give you a first step you could take to say, hey, I want to begin praying. Will you send us information of what to pray for? And we need your support financially too. So this is everything we do, we raise support to do. And so if you would love to give, 
uh, same uh, location, saturatetheworld.com. And then you just, there's like a button you can click on for give and we would love your support. And then lastly, if you wanna receive more and more equipping yourself, become a Saturate member. We have literally thousands of resources available that serve you to equip you, videos, PDFs, books, you name it. So don't just sit there and get no help. If we can be helpful, check us out. We'd love to serve you. And guys, thanks again. Uh, We'll pray for Mission Charleston. If you're listening, pray for these guys, pray for their work uh, because God's doing a really good thing.